Juneteenth, another federal holiday. This is totally unnecessary. It's too obscure. It's vague. You ask different people what it means, they will give you different answers. But the whole thing worked as a stunt to get Trump. It undermined Trump back in 2020 when he wanted to hold that rally in Tulsa. And suddenly everybody in the mainstream media, Democrats, everybody, even some Republicans, Juneteenth, Juneteenth. But Trump was right when he said this, I made Juneteenth very famous. There would be no holiday had it not been for the effort to undermine Trump about when he had a rally scheduled. You can look back. And by the way, if we want to celebrate the slaves being freed, we can look to President's Day and Abraham Lincoln, okay? Abraham Lincoln did it. The Emancipation Proclamation, beautiful words. They're etched in the side of the Lincoln Memorial when you go inside. Let's acknowledge him because I've been looking through this and no one else really was talking about Juneteenth over the years. Martin Luther King, for all of his contributions, um, a federal holiday for Juneteenth was not on his list. Same goes for the late, great, they tell me, Congressman John Lewis. This was not a priority of his either. Jesse Jackson, you can look it up. He talked about a lot of things since the 1960s, and he's still around. Juneteenth wasn't one of them. Al Sharpton, he thought about and talked about money a hell of a lot more than he talked about Juneteenth, believe me. And to this day, he is about the money. Al Sharpton. Barack and Michelle Obama. Now, they were eight years, right? Why didn't they come up with it? Why didn't they push it? In fact, given the opportunity, they blew it off. Like so many other things, they thought, hey, just by being here, we've done something for civil rights. So it's a holiday. And guess what? It's a counterproductive holiday. It's actually hurting people. The last thing this country needs is another opportunity to get wasted. And that's what people are doing, all right? We drink on the Super Bowl, we drink on Christmas, and people are drinking on this Juneteenth. And yeah, all across the country, pub crawls. Yeah, Juneteenth bar crawl. Let's drink up to honor uh, what happened in Texas all those years ago. You know, again, this country, we have major, major addiction problems all over the place. Yet another opportunity to drink or get high. No, because if you put this stuff together, especially in urban areas where the Juneteenth celebrations have been uh, the most intense, you got alcohol plus guns, plus time on your hands, plus weed, plus heat, and the overall resentment of the system, what's that gonna result in? Any guesses? We had stampedes, we had shootings, we had people die, dozens of people injured in places like Washington, D.C., Harlem here in New York City, Milwaukee, San Antonio, Grand Rapids, Michigan, all across the country. This wouldn't be the first time that some liberal, mostly white people, but some of color, came up with a a new federal policy that was a great big virtue signal aimed at helping communities of color. This was the Great Society, by the way, and it hurt communities of color. Everything they came up with in the Great Society and this latest trick of a holiday in June, no. And again, the heat, the tension. Ever hear of the phrase, a long, hot summer? Started in 1967, racial strife, 
time on your hands. We don't want any more of these. And probably this is the worst time of year to have another three-day holiday. I'll get to that in a moment, but I still think Lincoln deserves all the credit. Have you noticed President's Day isn't what it used to be? So many, though, have just bought this Juneteenth thing because, well, the culture is telling us this is cool. This is the place to be. Join the, just join it. Be cool already. Even Fox News. The principal, Tim Panis, for the National Symphony Orchestra, sharing how he's working to uplift aspiring black musicians. Kevin Cork is live in Washington with this story. The principal, Tim Panis, for the National Symphony Orchestra, a gentleman by the name of Javon Gilliam. He's terrific. He grew up in the great state of Indiana and has always had an interest in music. That was basically the story. He happens to be black and he plays some fancy drum set. Terrific. Um, I just don't get it myself. Juneteenth. Fox was all in, though. Good morning, everybody. It is Monday, June 20th, 2022. It is Juneteenth. And uh, this was a federal holiday signed into law last year by Joe Biden. Many people are at home today mm -hmm. celebrating Juneteenth. Thank you very much for joining us on this federal holiday. It's Juneteenth. Today, our nation is marking its newest holiday, Juneteenth, a day that brought freedom to the last of all enslaved people here in the United States. It's interesting because I've been celebrating it my entire life. I didn't realize till a couple years ago that a lot of people didn't know about it, didn't understand, um, you know, the history behind it. The occasion has been used. It's been politicized. And it was done so to hurt President Trump in the middle of that very important campaign of 2020. That's why it's a thing today. And I actually think it's the last thing we need to do more of. We all learned about slavery. They can pretend we didn't. We did. I remember learning about it in kindergarten, actually. Um, but now this is a real thing. We call it black supremacy. White supremacy is awful, terrible, totally overblown. And I think that this might be a new thing. What do you think? Black supremacy. Because, you know, you can pick up something and you see that somehow, well, black, black activists, the black community, a black person, you'll notice. And I know the sophisticates will say, oh, he just doesn't get it. He's being ignorant. Well, the B is capitalized. And I find it kind of weird that the W in white isn't capitalized. I mean, is are they saying that one race is better than another? Kinda, maybe, seems that way. There are some crazy people who believe that, by the way. There are some crazy people who believe white people are better, and there are some crazy people who believe black people are better. And at one point, the FBI had a term for it, B-I-E, Black Identity Extremism, because it's a real thing. You got black identity extremists, terrorists out there, yeah, but the FBI, they got shamed into canceling their own very important law enforcement terminology. So nobody's being surveilled or investigated on the black and any extremism. We don't use we don't use that terminology anymore. That was part of the reorganization of all of our domestic terrorism threat categorization. That terminology went away uh, as part of this racially motivated violent extremism category. 
How unfortunate, because there are black identity extremists out there and they are flourishing in part because the FBI has been told to not pay any attention to it. Remember Frank James, um, about eight weeks ago or so, he allegedly shot up a subway car. People should have seen this coming. You know, tech executives can find some posts I make about my concerns about the November 2020 election. And I'll get flagged, warned, lose followers, watch out or else. And this guy can say this kind of stuff on YouTube and all is fine. You useless white whore, dirty white You wanna look down at me? you. <laughs> wow, and that was the gentle part. All right, one other thing. I just don't think we need another three-day weekend in June. We had one Memorial Day in May. We're going to have one in July. Those are more important moments, don't you think, than Juneteenth. This is not the hallmark of a productive society. Then again, we have a president who's not very productive and is all about taking uh, five-day weekends at the beach. And he went to Rehoboth Beach in Delaware. That's where he has his uh, one of his summer compounds. And, um, ooh, he... F- One thing, did you hear about this? He fell off his bike. Take a look. Oops, down he goes. Now, the mainstream media pretended this didn't happen. We won't. Uh, Here he is on the ground, by the way. I mean, this was quite the fall. He did get right back up, but let's see it from another angle, if you don't mind. Back up, back up, back up, back up, back up. Those guys may have even made it worse. I don't know. But uh, one more angle. So Joe is failing in many, many ways. This was not a good look, although I watched it carefully, maybe too carefully from all these different angles. I actually do think he just kind of misplaced his foot in the pedal and this wasn't falling off the bike for cognitive reasons or anything like that. But I told this guy a year and a half ago, literally, to stop riding the bike and to slow down. I was concerned about him. This is Well, this show, back in February of last year, he'd only been president for less than a month, and I said out loud, and I'll say it again, Joe, slow down, stop trying to be somebody you're not, okay? Anyway, I don't like you, but I care about you. And this is what I said in February of 2021. When you're the man, everybody's looking and watching, and I've noticed something about you, and actually, from the heart, sir, this is sincere, it concerns me. Uh, you're taking those stairs a little bit too fast. This whole running thing, this whole trying to convince everybody that you're a man of vitality. I've seen you run down ramps, run on stage, run off stage. Uh, it's going to catch up with you, and we're starting to see it. Take it easy, okay? Fair enough? Fair enough. He's uh, he's 78, okay? shouldn't be running. My advice to President Biden, please, Mr. President, walk, don't run, and maybe also don't ride. Okay. 
Hey, all right. Did I call it or what? Joe, you don't watch the show? I am insulted. Not really. Um, and I was tweeting about it as well. Uh, back in 2020, I actually told Joe to stay off his bike. Uh, this is Joe Biden on a bike trying to look vibrant when he's not. Joe should not be on a bike in his condition. If they keep this up, this charade, he's going to take a serious fall. Other options, walking, walker optional, stationary bike. And if you must ride, training wheels. So I feel that uh, I'm going to give Joe actually a little bit more advice. I wish he listened then. He didn't. Look what happened. I saw something today that made me think of Joe. Gallup poll. Um, apparently, this is a new low. Belief in God in the United States dips to 81%. Only 81%. That may seem high, but it's actually, according to Gallup, a record low. And that's where, you know, Joe, he brags about knowing the Pope. He brags about going to church. But given his position, he never talks about his faith in a, in a meaningful way. And maybe, maybe he's like I used to be when it came to this stuff. I mean... I was pretty lost until I started really reading the Bible. The Charles Stanley Life Principles Bible has a lot of little footnotes and explainers. Joe, if it won't help you, I think it will help Ashley from what we know, and maybe even Hunter too. I'm serious. I'm serious. I hope uh, somehow this good book, this great book, the ultimate book, finds its way into Joe's life. Maybe it's there already. I could be wrong, but I don't think so. Stay with us when we come back. We got a lot of cool stuff going on, including, ah, Joe Biden at the beach again. Uh, more highlights and some other fun stuff. Stay with us. Hey, I'm Rob Carson, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast. Tired of boring traditional news updates? How about one with a conservative point of view, and it's actually funny? You can subscribe for free on the Apple Podcast app, and it downloads directly to your smartphone, so you can listen while driving, uh, to work, riding a bike, at the gym, or even while lobster fishing off the East Coast. Subscribe today with the Apple Podcast app, or go to NewsmaxTV.com slash podcasts for other platforms. Something's All I can, I can say... say- is, is that, that the, the fake, fake news just doesn't, doesn't get, get it, it do they? <laughs> and more than just not getting it, they live in their own weirdo dimension. They ignore anything they don't like. It really is kind of like the Twilight Zone. So... On these venerable Sunday shows, you know, meet the press, face the nation, whatever. They think they're so prestigious, but they just, every day is January 6th, and they ignore anything that undermines their preferred narrative. For instance, the plot against, well, Justice Kavanaugh didn't happen. They don't mention it. It seems to, uh, I don't know, why is that not news? In what universe a parallel universe, maybe, right? Twilight Zone. Is this not news? What happened to him? The guy with the bag and the weapons and the rope who got within, I don't know, he's in the, the front sidewalk of the house. What is that, 20 feet? I'm always hearing about Vice President Pence, 40 feet. 20 feet. 20 feet. They also pretend that Colbert's producers, 25 of them almost, got arrested inside the Capitol for trespassing. 
Now, maybe they were not involved in an insurrection. Maybe they were. <laughs> I think that's news. I think it's noteworthy, especially when they go bananas over January 6th all the time. How about Biden falling off his bike? Hmm? Now, all right. It's not necessarily the first story or the second story, but somewhere in your precious show, you got to show that the president of the United States fell down. I know for a fact that they talk about it when the audience isn't watching. They talk about it backstage. Hey, they went crazy when Joe, Donald Trump, remember at West Point, he took that ramp. And by the way, why did they have him walk down a ramp? Kind of makes you wonder about what they had in store up there. He wisely took it easy. You could so easily have slipped and they would have gone crazy. As it stands, they went crazy anyway. The New York Times uh, wrote all about this and uh, that gave the fake news all they needed to uh, totally run with it. Now, there was coverage of this, but scant coverage of, uh, I think it's pretty significant when a 79-year-old president falls off a bike. Worth a mention. And also, January 6th. Yes, every day is January 6th. And that, of course, is a uh, is worse than Pearl Harbor, right? They do live in their own dimension. And um, this is what they think of us, by the way, Trump supporters. I mean, they think we're evil people. I'm kind of appalled and insulted. I can roll with it. This. Anyone who is pro-democracy, pro-free press, pro-equality, like, this is what we're up against, because these are the things these people do not want. Hmm. They don't want to see a free and equitable society. They don't want to see a place where someone like me is leading a newsroom at HuffPost. They don't want to see women in positions of power or people of color in positions of power or to see gay people and trans people live freely and openly. Like, that's what that's what we are up against. All right. I don't ever want to work for her, but it has nothing to do with her skin color. It's, it has to do with her her worldview. That's what, that's what a lot of people in the fake news don't understand about Trump supporters. It's not about what you look like. It's about ideas. Okay. Now I'll tell you what, they pretend they're neutral, but they're not. Jamie Raskin was on the fake news yesterday. One of the impeachment managers, total Trump hater. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, right? Congressman Raskin, welcome back to Meet the Press. Delighted to be with you. Let me just start with what you believe were the most important takeaways for these two hearings this past week. Donald Trump knew the big lie was a big lie. Um, they used it also as a big shakedown. In a democracy, the people have a right to the truth. We almost suffered a coup, and we did uh, suffer right. a violent insurrection. You hear? He says this all the time. He said it yesterday on the, on the fake news in January 6th. And now he's investigating how Trump could have opposed the counting of the electoral votes on that day. They never asked Jamie Raskin about what he did on, in January of 2017. Uh, Trump was still president-elect. They were there to count the electoral votes, and he gets up and tries to stop the whole thing. Uh, I have an objection because 10 of the 29 electoral votes cast by Florida were cast by electors not lawfully certified. Is the objection in writing and signed not only by the member of the House of Representatives, but also by a senator? It is in writing, Mr. President. Is it signed by a senator? Not as of yet, Mr. President. In that case, the objection cannot be entertained. Mm, not as of yet, but I'm working on it. Never a question about this. And he's on Meet the Press and the Fake News all the time. And here's something. Our justices are still being threatened, assaulted. Uh, this display outside of Amy Coney Barrett's uh, home. Listen. 
Children will be forced to give birth to children. Women will be silenced. Women All right, these are hysterical people. They're totally over the top and gruesome. And I believe, and it's pretty cut and dried, they're breaking the law. This is against federal law. Can we put the federal law up? Pickets or parades in or near a building housing a court of the United States or in or near a building or residence occupied or used by such judge, juror, witness, or court officer shall be fined or imprisoned not more than one year or both. Now, that is about as cut and dried as you can get. They're breaking the law, but they let this happen. Why? Do they want them harmed? Because if something did happen to Amy Coney Barrett or Kavanaugh or one of the others, I guess they have a plan. They probably have justices on the short list, people they want to be justices, and they've got the Senate, and they've got the whole thing. Could that be? Maybe Joe Biden should be asked that question. Why isn't he speaking up about this stuff? You know, he had a brief press conference at the beach. He's on vacation again, and he never gets asked sensitive questions, really. It's only about what happened eight seconds ago, not about, hey, you know, the laptop you said was uh, Russian disinformation. It's been confirmed real by the New York Times. Care to comment? I mean, something. But no, nothing about those things because it could embarrass him. So, uh, ooh, this is strange. No, no news here, but he does that whole weird close talking thing. Take a look. I fell in case you didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> Delaware. And passing assault weapons again. <laughs> Like I've been pushing, like I pushed the first time. If your boss did that at work, you could go to HR and probably have them suspended. I don't, I'm not, I don't want that to happen. Maybe a good talking to, but who does that? An arrogant, entitled, powerful, selfish man does that, in my opinion. Hey, stay with us. Uh, what is Prince William doing bothering with uh, our affairs in this country? Prince William. He's not talking to his own brother, yet he has things to say about January 6th. Stay with us. News breaks every minute, every day. You need the app, the Newsmax app. Find it free on your smartphone store. Then watch us anytime, anywhere. So there's uh, Prince William and his wife, the princess, I guess, or is she a duchess? I don't know. Anyway, uh, he was born lucky, I guess, and he's not talking to his brother, but he's writing letters to people in the United States talking about subjects he knows nothing about. It was uh, revealed that he wrote a letter uh, to the police officer who died in the wake of January 6th, Brian Sicknick, and he came to a lot of erroneous conclusions. You know, this is a big deal. Technically, he's kind of like the next head of state of England. Having watched the harrowing events that took place at the Capitol, I wanted to acknowledge the patriotism and selflessness of Brian. By all accounts, Brian performed valiantly while on duty. He goes on to say, I hope you can take some comfort from knowing that it is thanks to law enforcement officers like Brian that the situation did not escalate further and democracy was upheld. Now, Brian Sicknick was a great guy. And anybody who joins the police, in my book, 
is a hero on the day they joined, and I'm sure he performed well. But according to the coroner, he did not die as a result of events on January 6th. He didn't. And he was acknowledged, by the way, as a hero at, uh, at a state funeral, essentially. This was, uh, this was something. Deserved? Sure. Well, quite frankly, I think he was used for political reasons. And maybe he continues to be used for political reasons. Meanwhile, Ashley Babbitt was shot and killed by a Capitol Hill police officer. And to this day, you know, no one's demanding justice. No one's really seeking it. No one talks about it. Most Republicans have totally forgotten. And if you bring it up, they don't want to talk about it. Or very few do. But the most important one does. President Trump. I want to highlight this again. On Friday at that rally in Tennessee, he spoke so powerfully about this moment that must be investigated. We must have justice and God bless President Trump. He's the only man in the country who will do this. And I'm so glad he did. Nobody was killed except for a wonderful young woman named Ashley Babbitt who was viciously shot. And in my opinion, for absolutely no reason, by a police officer. They wanted they wanted to keep this officer shielded. They didn't want anyone to know his name. Now, when it happens on the other side, oh, they plast, they plaster pictures up. I've never seen anything. But they wanted to shield him. And then all of a sudden, he's doing an interview on, like, NBC fake news. And... Or one of the networks, he's doing, oh, he's doing an interview. He didn't want to be sure. He was so proud of what he did. I watched him. I said, this guy's actually proud of what he did. He shot her. Point blank, just shot her. It's one of the many reasons why they're so afraid of him coming back. Wow, I hope he does. I really do. You know, the media, they should be sticking up for people like Ashley Babbitt. Instead... They are sticking up for the state, which I think in many respects is corrupt. This is Jonathan Carl from the fake news. You know, he pretends that he's neutral. That's what they pretend. But this is not a neutral guy. Here he is openly rooting for certain candidates to win and certain candidates to lose. Now, here's a guy named Ron Hanks. He's running for the U.S. Senate in Colorado. And John Carl thinks it's all illegitimate because... John Carl disagrees with him about the election. And John Carl uses talking points provided by the Democrat National Committee. This is a guy who bragged about being part of the group that marched on the Capitol. Uh, he is somebody that says the election was stolen. He wants to ban mail-in voting. Uh, he wants to ban all voting except for voting on election day in person. And he is lockstep with the most extreme views on the election. So they, want, they figure if, if you nominate him, you know what, we can beat him. Well, well guess what? You yeah. might not. Right. So you may be sending to Washington uh, candidates that are lockstep with the big lie. Wow, so extreme. This guy wants to vote on Election Day. And he has concerns about mail-in voting, just like Jimmy Carter did and Secretary Baker all those years ago in that commission. The big lie. You know, maybe he should follow CNN's lead. The boss over there said you can't say big lie anymore because that's a Democrat talking point, And it's not a lie. We have concerns about the fairness of the November 2020 election. And it's OK to talk about. Does this guy know anything about the Constitution of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania? I'm betting no, because under that Constitution, 
You could bet, you could vote in two ways, and it hasn't changed. You can vote in person or absentee with excuse. That's it. Now, because of COVID, they changed all the rules, but they didn't change the Constitution. That's a problem, a big one. If you want to change the Constitution, you can, but it takes time, and you got to go through all kinds of procedures. You got to amend it. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to you got to publish your idea in two newspapers in every county, and then you got to put it up for a vote. But they didn't do any of that. They just went and changed all the rules. That's outside their own constitution. We can talk about that. That's not a lie. And they don't want, maybe they don't even know. I mean, this takes a little bit of work. Who wants to sit around all day reading the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's constitution? Got to remember this about the fake news. They are lazy, lazy and ambitious. All right, moving on. Mm. Can you believe that they're doubling down on clowns and drag queens coming into uh, schools to read? Drag queens coming into schools to read. This is the latest craze. It must be done. This was uncovered in New York City that they had a, an actual official program bringing in these freaks uh, to schools to read to children. Looks like they're on a field trip on some boat in this situation. Uh, this shouldn't be happening. You can be a drag queen if you want, um, and you can hang around with adults, but not children, not in public school. They brought this to the attention of the mayor, and some people have been fooled by this mayor. They think, oh boy, this guy's really sharp. He looks great, and he says he doesn't like crime. What do you think of uh, Drag Time Story Hour, Adams? We're also investing of over 180,000 in transgender, non-conforming, and non-binary nonprofits to expand and improve the services they provide to the transgender, gender, non-conforming, and non-binary communities. All right, you're gonna put money in it, our money. Why is that, why? What well, we're saying, to our young people. We don't want you just to be academically smart. We want you to be emotionally intelligent and appreciate the diversity. Emotionally intelligent. No, no, no. And this, they say, is a common sense Democrat. Stay with us. A couple things coming up. Number one, a church, a school affiliated with the Catholic Church has been excommunicated, essentially. And I'm okay with this. You can't run the gay pride flag on your flagpole and the Black Lives Matter flag at a Catholic school. I think they made the right decision. They have severed ties with this school. You're on your own. We'll be right back. Okay, that is the Nativity School of Worcester, Worcester, Massachusetts, a Catholic middle school until, well, uh, just a couple of days ago, I guess its status, its Catholic status has been revoked. And quite frankly, it makes sense. Look at that. American flag, terrific. But they got the gay pride flag and the Black Lives Matter flag at the Catholic private school. Well, that's offensive to a lot of folks. And it's at the school. The bishop revoked the Catholic status of Jesuit school flying the LGBT Black Lives Matter flags. Uh, according to Bishop Robert McManus, uh, the flying of these flags in front of a Catholic school sends a mixed, confusing, and scandalous message to the public about the church's stance on these important moral and social issues. He went on to say the Nativity School of Worcester 
is prohibited from this time forward from identifying itself as a Catholic school and may no longer use the title Catholic to describe itself. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I like it. I like that he's drawing a line in the sand. I do. And I'd like to bring in at this point C.J. Doyle. He's the executive director of the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts. Welcome, sir. Uh, he Glad put the here, Greg. Thank you. Nice to see you again. This goes back several months. They started flying that flag, I believe, in the spring, if not earlier. He gave him a couple of warnings, and now he made this decision. What do you think? Uh, the bishop certainly is to be commended. It's really an act of principle. It's an act of uh, integrity and fidelity, and it's certainly courageous given the current media climate. And he's really defending Christian morality against you know, culturally conforming Catholics who are trying to impose secular ideology on a nominally Catholic institution. Look, simple intellectual honesty requires uh, recognition of the fact that the, the, sim the symbol of gay pride, uh, the values represented there are completely irreconcilable with Catholicism. They're, they're irre irreconcilable with the words of sacred scripture. They're irreconcilable with the Catholic understanding of natural law. And they're irreconcilable with 2,000 years of Catholic moral tradition. So the bishop certainly is to be commended. But I think there's also another issue here, and I think really the bad faith of, of Nativity School is now manifest for all to see. Every time the bishop has a confidential communication with them, they run to the mainstream media, particularly the Boston Globe, where the bishop is then vilified, castigated, insulted, maligned, uh, defamed, demonized. It's really a very vindictive and mean-spirited thing to do. And I think it's really very duplicitous and treacherous behavior uh, on the part of the, uh, the board of directors and the leadership of Nativity School. So the sad part is to me, this is going to be misconstrued. You know, oh, there's the church so intolerant and the church is not that way. But let me put this to you. I mean, there are people, people are sinful. You know, there are people out there. I mean, there's temptation all over the place, right? Half of all marriages end in divorce. And a lot of those uh, divorces, sometimes infidelity is part of the problem. If you're into committing infidelity, you don't wave a flag about it, okay? You don't design a flag and put it up on your church and say all people are welcome. I mean, we understand that people come as they are. I hope that makes sense. I just, I feel like the flag part and also the pride part. Can you talk a little bit about pride and what the Bible says about pride? Well, I mean, it's the first and the greatest of the seven deadly sins. Uh, you know, the, the, the Catholic ethic is one of, Humility, it's, it's one of, uh, you know, interior conversion, of, uh, of repentance for sin, of the personal pursuit of holiness. These flags don't represent that. They actually re represent pride in, in what we've always understood to be mortal sin. Again, it's completely un-Catholic. It's completely un-Christian. And it's sending a terrible message to the students. It's, it's telling the students that they, they can, they can uh, have a Christian uh, upbringing and they can, they can be affiliated with Catholicism and believe in things that, uh, uh, that the church has always understood to be, again, mortally sinful. You know, we know that the church is not a, is not a museum of saints, but a hospital for sinners. But, we, you know, it's uncharitable to, to lie to people and to, uh, and to affirm them in something that we understand is, uh, it, it imperils their immortal souls. You're a practicing Catholic. Uh, you're a Christian. Can you do me a favor for a moment and just share with you, uh, us, your, your, your faith journey and what it, what it brings to you, what you get out of it? You are the Catholic Action League uh, director up there. I mean, you are probably, you're very serious about your faith. Can you tell us, 
Tell us the good part, please. Well, I mean, I, I was very blessed to have to come from a Catholic family and to come from a, a family of uh, my grandparents were Irish immigrants. And I had a, a wonderful Catholic school experience in a Catholic school that was unambiguously Catholic. And when we learned the Baltimore Catechism as, as young, uh, you know, as young fifth and sixth and seventh graders. So I, I was very, very blessed. And so, you know, you don't want to deprive anybody of a Catholic school experience, but it has to be an authentic Catholic school experience. And uh, these attempts to, again, secularize and to impose alien values on Catholic schools are really doing a disservice to the students, and they're depriving them of the wonderful Catholic experience that people of my generation had. I only have a few seconds left. Can you just tell us how uh, Bishop Robert McManus is, uh, is holding up? I mean, this is, uh, this is going to be a trying he's, time. He's, he's, he's clearly holding up well. He, 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 he was very patient with them. He, he warned them, and he carried through on his warning. So I think, again, it's an act of integrity in his part. And, of course, he's being defamed and demonized in the media. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, he's, he's gone through with it. They didn't succeed in intimidating him. And that's the good news. C.J. Doyle from the Catholic Action League of Massachusetts, thank you very much. Please give our best to the bishop. Come back soon. And when we come back, we're going to meet Dwight Chapin, uh, a very trusted aide to my favorite president. Well, second favorite, right after Trump. Richard Nixon. Uh, do we have a picture of Dwight? He's a great guy, very close to President Nixon. His new book is called The Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aide, The President's Man. We'll be right back. Right after Trump, it's true, Nixon is my favorite president. What was it like being around him? What was Nixon like? Take a look at this picture. This is the Oval Office. Richard Nixon is sitting. Haldeman and Ehrlichman are seated, and that, the man standing, that's Dwight Chapin. Dwight was President Nixon's personal aide, then deputy assistant to President Richard Nixon. Spent countless hours with the President of the United States. He was just a young man, late 20s, early 30s. His new book is called The President's Man, The Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aide by Dwight Chapin. Anybody who knows anything about Nixon, uh, we'll see the name Dwight Chapin just about everywhere you read about Nixon. And Mr. Chapin is our guest. Uh, Dwight, welcome. Congratulations on the book. It's fantastic. Well, Greg, thank you. It's great to be with you this evening. But what's this second favorite president thing you're telling me about? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's wonderful to be with you. And uh, thank you for uh, mentioning my book and uh, my relationship with the president, it was very special. And uh, in my book, I, I try to relate, you know, a lot of the happenings that I was privileged to experience. There's so many in there. By the way, it's the 50th anniversary right around now of the Watergate break-in. And, of course, the fake news. They're trying to demonize Richard Nixon all over again. We both know that it's an unfair portrait. You know more than anybody else. Tell us if you don't mind, just what he was like and what are the main misconceptions about him? Yeah, the main misconception is the idea that there was this era of evilness or of corruption around President Nixon. It just was not true. I, I like to make the point that if, if uh, President Nixon was so corrupt and so bad, why would you have people like Henry Kissinger and George Shultz and uh, Alan Greenspan and on and on. Why would these people stay and work with a man that was, you know, so flawed? Uh, Richard Nixon, I think at, at his core, he, yes, 
He was an introvert and an extrovert's business. But the main thing about him was he was he had this intellectual capacity. He, he had the ability to, to lead. He, he had a, a sense of direction, a lot like Reagan. Reagan, you know, the th great thing about Reagan was he had this internal compass. The great thing about Nixon is he had this work ethic and this desire to get in to policy and to make a difference, to make a difference in right. people's lives. And when you look at his accomplishments, he did that. So I've been watching a lot of news lately. There have been a lot of retrospectives on, the, um, uh, on Watergate. And John Dean, the former White House counsel, is just about everywhere. He was there in the White House. And I think we have a picture of him back in those days. You worked with him. You knew him. Uh, and he's everywhere today. He's on MSNBC. He's on CNN. And he is seen as the go-to authority on all things Watergate. Now, I know he's not. You know more than anyone, pretty much, why he shouldn't be. Tell us about him. Tell us about the stories that he's telling right now and why he should not be trusted. Yes, I, I think one of the main things is that today, the 20th of June in 1972, exactly 50 years ago this very day, John Dean went for a walk in the park with Gordon Liddy. This was the park across from the White House. And John Dean asked Gordon Liddy a very important question. He asked, who else in the White House knew? In other words, Dean knew, and he wanted to know who else knew. This was an incredibly important question because in order to cover up and to manipulate things, John Dean had to know what Gordon Liddy knew, and Gordon Liddy knew who at the White House knew. And the response that uh, Liddy gave to John Dean was there was one other person, and that person happened to be a Haldeman aide by the name of Gordon Strawn. So it boils down to there were two people in that White House organization at the time of the break-in that knew, they may not have known specifically what day it was going to happen, but they knew there was going to be a break-in. And it was Gordon Dean, uh, Gordon Strawn and John Dean. What the important part of this is that neither one of those men had the courage to tell their superiors, whether it had been Bob Haldeman, the chief of staff, John Ehrlichman, the former White House counsel, or the president himself. If they had told any of those three men what they knew, yep. what they knew had happened over at Creep, what they knew about John Dean's involvement from the very outset when he took Gordon Liddy to meet John Mitchell right. back in the early spring, this Watergate thing would have never happened. Dwight Chapin, it's all in the book, The President's Men, The Memoirs of Nixon's Trusted Aide. And you know what? One of my favorite parts is a picture of Richard Nixon the morning he won. He found out he won the presidency in 1968. You took the picture. I've never seen it before. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, you got to get this book, folks, if you're interested in this era. And I am fascinated by it. Dwight Chapin, a real honor to have you on tonight. Thank you, sir. Terrific, Greg. Thank you.